Listener Production. Howdy crew, you're listening to episode 89 of the Howie Games featuring Aussie surfer Sally Fitzgibbons. On we roll. All right, enough of coming second, which is an amazing achievement itself. Let's talk about winning. I have my back shoulder there. <laughs> I'm sure you'll recognise the picture been, of Bells. I've been staring at this picture. Yeah. yeah. My uh, then girlfriend bought me that um, before she became my wife. Um, so she knew me well. A wave I can't surf very well, even though it's only 15 minutes from where I live. In fact, I can't surf any wave very well. Your first ever win, Sal. At Bells, it was, the, was it the 50-year anniversary? Yes. Massive event down here, down the coast. Um, a real great shame it's not on this year. I know all the locals are absolutely devastated. But what was it like to stand up on the top step of the podium for the first time? And not only that, to ring the bell. It was every minute of what you think a win would be like. That <laughs> elation, that moment where you get all the like out of body where you're just like, oh, I can't feel my legs when they um, you come in at Bells because for those out there that don't surf, Bells is the most cryptic wave. So we have all these different um, waves on tour, 10 to be precise, but they all have these crazy personalities. And Bells is kind of like a Wimbledon of, um, of surfing. And it just, it has that natural amphitheater. And I, as I was progressing through the rounds, I had everyone, like all the top seeds on the way to the final, um, including our Steph, Carissa, all the guys at the time that were the big title hopes. And what led up to it was just all those. So there was the second place to the world title, but there was all these second places in events the previous year. And it was, oh, it was really buggy. <laughs> it starts to buggy where you get to the final <laughs> and you just think, Oh, you could be this one. And then um, so we had I had a bet with my old man. He had a mo, this classic, like he looked a lot like Ned Flanders on this. Oh, come he's on, Marty. His nickname was Neddy. <laughs> and so he had his mustaka and he said if I'd won an event, um, he'd shave it off. And I hadn't seen him without it. So the year passed and he goes, oh, deal's off the table. And then I brought it back for um, Bells. I was like, one more, one more. It's the 50th year. It's happening. <laughs> And um, yeah, and so Marty had to shave his mole off. So that was, and he never grew it back. So that was a big thing. Um, but when I came in, it was extra special because of the fiftieth. You've got to win it to win it. There was all the legends, including like the Gail Coopers of the world. So mm. Gail Cooper won ten bells, which is absolutely insane to win it that way like 10 times um and you name it they and we get uh if you win that event they put your name on the stairs and all sorts of stuff so um yeah it's pretty prestigious and one of those ones where every year you suit up and you go this is my year i'm giving this everything and the hell's bells anthem plays in your head and um to hear that anthem (laughs) and i was getting cheered up um by my coaches at the time and it, it just it was, yeah, it was cool. It was just like every sport movie I watched and I, I feel as though the journey towards anything, it had already happened before that moment where I got chaired up the stairs. But it was just the, the reflection of the people around me um, that really amplify, like, wow. I don't know, maybe as a person that's the only real refre- uh, reflection you get of how you carry yourself and how you treat others and to have your like your opponents which are 
kind of your arch nemeses in sport or your mm. big rivals come up and be stoked for you. That, for me, kind of signalled like, oh, you know, I must sort of be gracious in defeat over all these years to have that turnaround and people be pretty genuine um, that they amp for you. And, and, and I remember staying in my jersey. At the time, I was a really young Ros Kelly um, reporting the news. Ros Kelly, Channel <laughs> yeah. 10 superstar. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was just, I was such a big fan of sports news. So any journos out there that have done any um, segments, I was probably a bigger fan of you then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then the other way around. And, and I stayed in my wedding and my jersey like past the six o'clock news all the way through and it was dark and the lights went out and everyone went home and I was just remember driving home in my wedding in my jersey still and at the time Katy Perry um fireworks song yep. was huge and and I just blasted that all the way home <laughs> and the windows down and um so it was it was a, a pretty memorable one my um I reckon my two favorite ever surfing victories I've watched is when Mick at Pipe won the title really, really, really late. Um, I think it was probably his second one. Anyway, um, and you at Cloud Break in 2015, you mentioned earlier on your perforated eardrum. Um, what what happened, firstly, in that event in some pretty serious waves? You saw some big waves at Cloud Break, which we'll get to, but what happened to your ear? My ear, I fully blew out the whole eardrum. So at the time, I'd, I've never had any ear injuries um cloud breaks got the big left barrel um just to familiarize everyone with it and <laughs> and the hooter goes and you go, oh my gosh like you kind of sink or swim and i always felt as though you don't know what's on the other side but i just trusted that it'll be okay so going over the ledge and looking because the water's so clear that you can see razor sharp it's like concrete with teeth kind of thing and you're dropping in going, I trust that no matter what happens, if I fall or I stack it, I can handle it, uh, I'll work it out. And this occasion, so I, I, I dropped out of the top of the lip and then kind of just whiplash, like slapped my left ear into the face of the wave so hard, it just blew the eardrum out. So I came up and it was just ringing, everything was ringing and spinning at the same time. I think she's got something going on there though. Looks like she's in a bit of pain. And I'm just going, okay, fight or flight. No, I'm in a heat, I've got to get my board. And I couldn't grab my board because it was all skewed, like the perception of where I was. And so it was mid heat, but I was still winning the heat. So I kind of flapped around trying to work it out for five minutes. And it was really painful, but I had enough adrenaline to just kind of keep going with what I was trying to do. But I couldn't orient myself, um, the hooter went, and I've gone back to the boat just in all sorts. Uh, but they've gone, oh, you've won the heat. And so I had this <laughs> time to contemplate. Like the doctors are trying to like kind of reassure me that, yeah, I feel it's perforated and they're trying to talk over here. And I'm like kind of bawling because it's just kind of – it felt like someone had just hole punched my ear and it was just going all the way down my throat because it opens up the airway oh. and I just thought it was so bizarre I'm like well I don't know what's gonna happen next and then I just had this this moment where I trained so hard for that event too and the week before been through so many scary moments out that wave I just didn't want the story to end that way and I felt there was a little meat on the bone so 
uh, I convinced them how. <laughs> well, the doctor, I was, I was watching it yesterday. The doctor was saying, no, the, the, you, you don't want to be competing from here on in and they're taping your head up and there's all sorts going on. But the, the medical advice was, no, you're out, you're done. When she fell, she hit directly on the side of her head onto the flat water, rupturing her eardrum. All three of us are stating that we highly recommend her not doing it. Yeah, because I guess the biggest issue is when you're out there and you come off a wave, you don't know which way is up or down. So the drowning risk is pretty big. But I convinced myself at the time that I was like, if that's the worst thing that can happen. What, drowning? Sounds pretty bad now. Well, drowning does sound pretty bad. Yeah, that's about as bad as you can get, Sal. They didn't recommend her to surf through, but she wanted to anyway. So pushing through the pain and the doctor's advice, this event means so much to her, especially being a defending champ. But I felt as if like that's the moment to at least have a go because there's all the water safety in the world at an event. Like there's all the men on the jet skis, there's um, like, all the eyeballs there are watching you. The water's really clear. Um, you know, I can't like disappear deep down like at sunset or something. And I thought, well, if that's the worst that can happen, then if I can manage my pain, I can I can get back out there. And so we got blue tack and then old school footy style. Just all I can remember is just like you stuck blue tack like, in there. Yeah, yeah, whatever we could find, like just what Jeez, was on the boat. Bit of and wax. Just, oh, it is hectic. And then I got my my dad <laughs> to come out and caddy because he doesn't normally caddy at well, especially the bigger waves because it's like quite a lot going on in the lineup. Mm. Um, and I knew something was up when my, my dad was like, put the camera down. He goes, all right, well, I guess I'm coming with you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, must be pretty serious. Um, I, I remember, though, the first wave I got in round three that afternoon was, <laughs> was I, I stood up and I couldn't believe I was surfing again, that I rode all the way to the end and just put my hands up in the air, turned around to, to my old man and Marty's in the lineup and he's got his hands in the air. We just we just celebrated. It was like um, the best two point. Uh, I, I think it was two point one ride <laughs> outside of ten. Everyone, so I was really low. Two point ride I've ever got in my life. <laughs> Your two thousand fifteen Fiji Women's Pro Champion Sally Fitzgibbons. And then to go on and win the event, um, it was classic shots, as I say, because you're being interviewed, your head's taped up. I was so exhausted, and like when the hooter went, just like the tears came out. It was just such a big couple of days and quite a bit of pain. And um, I just thought, you know, whatever the ocean was going to deal up to me, I was happy with. What belief do you get in yourself, Sal? We talked about the tough times. That must provide you with enormous confidence and belief in your own ability to be able to defy what medical experts are saying to win an event and then go and do it? Uh, I feel it must just be, I've, I've said it a few times while I've been having this yarn here, it must just be trust too. Trust in, I, I think that when people, you know, you build this uh, courage maybe, um, under, it's just this undercurrent of all the sessions you've ever done. I feel if if, if those sessions were done off the back of you and your emotion and your imagination getting you up for that occasion, then that's a part of you, like that's your DNA. So if you start to believe, oh, hang on a second, that wasn't just all those years stitched together meant that, yeah, I have in a sense, you earn that, if it's Scout's badge, that badge of courage and honour and respect for yourself and belief, um, that can only come from you going through this Mm. as you and authentically as you so 
that's what I, I guess when I reflect, like no one told me to get up for that first session before school or tell me to get back out there in the lineup to put the jersey on when I can't, my whole head is just exploding. And so I can only see in that how powerful it is when it does come internally, like inside out instead of outside in. Because uh, the biggest moment was that I had to surf around three and then the next day was it was called off. So I'm sitting in this on this little island that you can walk around in five minutes in a hut with like just still taped up and it's just pounding. Like I can't sleep. I can't do anything. I'm like throwing up because of all the adrenaline and the stuff wearing off and coming back. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go back and do this again the next day for quarterfinals, final. And I just, I couldn't warm up or free surf. And the, for, and the forecast was getting bigger. And I was like, this is a recipe for disaster. I don't think I can do that. I, I really don't believe. And then all of a sudden the morning comes and the occasion comes and I just somehow, with all that evidence saying no, I just go, yes. That's the way I'm going to go through there, through that bit that says, do not enter. Do not come here. You're done. Stop. Please stop. And all your opponents looking at you with that expression, like, please stop. Like, just don't do it. And um, and then you just have that narrow focus, the old wounded warrior story. And uh, and I just I remember that hooter going and, and the, the emotion coming out and I was truly... I really realised that that's the definition of absolutely everything I could give. That was like that moment for me. That was that big storybook to the um, <laughs> the moment in any sporting movie. The big slow-mo is one of my favourite things, or the montage. And for me, maybe I am just living my own version of my movie. Well, I love movie. how you keep coming back to the movie scene and now you put yourself in the movie scene, which is fantastic. If you can watch one sport movie. One, and you've mentioned a few. You've gone Rocky, you've gone Blue Crush. Um, you mentioned a few in there. You can only watch one on loop for the rest of the, what is it? That's going to be, oh, that is picking your favourite child, Howie. Yes, but I'm asking you to it's do gonna, it. It's going to go and file up every time. File up. Every file time. File up. Yeah, tears. I like tears. it. All right. Now, as someone that listens to this show, I don't have to explain to you about my kids um, that like to ask questions. Normally pretty lighthearted. Um, I put it to my daughter today and we watched some videos of you in action. Um, and she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. She She's nice. She's like, I know Sally, Dad, we watch her serving. Yeah. And then she got a little bit teary before asking this question. And she said, oh, Dad, I'll come back and do it in a few minutes. Um, doesn't like to not do well at things. Uh, I'll say no more, except I'll play it to yourself. Hi, Sally. Pico here. A few weeks ago, we went to Costa Rica and we went surfing every day. I went out in three-foot waves, but sometimes I get a bit nervous and I don't commit to the wave. Afterwards, I get really annoyed. How do you get through that? She's got some fear in the surf. And I tried to explain to her, sweetie, everyone gets fear at some stage, whether it's two foot or three foot or 10 foot or 20 foot. Um, how, do you, how have you got through the fear of, well, from a 10-year-old's point of view, how have you dealt with the fear? Because there must be fear at a certain point, Sal. So. 
Oh, the pickle, the big penguin. I'm the biggest fan. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think I'm a bigger fan of theirs because I know they shred and shred really hard. Well, they're I doing their all, best. <laughs> I see all their, their um, surfing pics. So it is so natural pickle that that is a healthy respect of the ocean. The ocean, it's bigger than any of it. It's so powerful. Oh, my gosh. Like where, when you ride a wave... That started in a storm a million light years away and then it just keeps travelling whether you like it or not, you're there or not, it's going to hit the land with all the force it has. So when we go out there and think, oh, no, like I didn't go that wave or I'm not brave enough or it's just, I don't know, just accepting that we're riding just, just walls and waves of energy and that on any given day, it is so humbling. Like we, like people, I, like that um, cloud break story, when you go out, you know it, your heart's elevating. We're all having the same emotional experience, whether you're learning to surf or you're surfing cloud break, pipeline, jaws. It just keeps scaling up, but it's the same human emotion and interaction. And I say, I say cry. When you come in and you have that urge, I, I'm a crier. <laughs> I think it's really healthy. But let, it's almost like the same as riding waves. Let the wave come out of you and, and show you. Show you the way that, for me, if you're feeling that fear and everything that surrounds that, that means you're in the right place. You're in the right ballpark. You're doing something you're passionate about. You're doing something that's meaningful to you and that you do want to so-called conquer. Like it's, um, I feel that it is a hard road back when you do get super, super rolled. Like yep. when you get pitched, when you get cut up, when you blow your eardrum. Um, even the other day I went back to Honolulu after uh, breaking my left shoulder and that was really real. Like the night before, I could I could hear the swell building and then at that wave, it's either one foot that one day and then the next day when you're going to compete, it's going to be 10 foot. But you don't get any time to practice. It's just like they just the magician with that, like the and then they pull the towel away and it's 10 foot, just big waves with teeth. And you're like, oh, well, we're doing this. And you don't sleep and you don't do these things. Um but there's something very fulfilling from just going through it in, I don't know, maybe um, calculated risk is a good way of putting it. And if it doesn't feel right, then take the step back. If it feels right, then you take the step forward. But it's, I feel that that means that you're really in tune with are you doing it for what reasons? So that probably scales up for the pickle. She's just starting to interact with those fears and things and and the wave's getting bigger. Um, But just, yeah, give it time. But if you're in the right environment, have a go and trust yourself because you've probably got what it takes to be in that situation for that given time. It's a beautiful answer, Sal, and I appreciate it as a father and I will pass that on. She'll have a listen. eh? A couple of quick ones while we're on that topic. What is the scariest wave you've surfed? Oh, there's some scary ones. Probably ours at the top of Port Botany. Yep. That's a pretty mutant wave. Um, big closeout on a pile of rocks, pretty much. Uh, the boys encouraged me to go and grab the rope. I said, you're ready. You just go. And you got to dodge this rock, go straight a little bit, go around that rock. 
and then and then face this way rock back on your heels and then it'll probably close out so just hold on for dear life when you come up you'll probably be faced by a big rock shelf uh that was insane that sounds like a hoot (laughs) i'm so thankful for the experience that was mike matthews and the guys giving me the thumbs up to to go out there so if that's that's the scariest what is um i just want you to put one name to it of all the ways you surfed you've had so much uh access to the best waves on the planet with one or two other girls any one time you can surf one wave for the rest of your life your favorite wave is Oh, um, my home beach where I first Is learned it? to surf. Yeah, it? whether it's closing out in one foot or uh, I feel learning at that wave, you have such a spiritual connection. And it's taught me that it doesn't, like any occasion, big sporting event, whether it's a grand final or just your local run around um, training session, when you kind of learn from that end of the scale and then every other wave in the world is obviously more picturesque better it's the pipelines it's the the ones that are talked about but you don't need that swell to get you up for the occasion or you're not waiting for that or traveling to the next one no matter what what wave you're greeted with like on any given day you get surf stoked and that's why i'm thankful for my local beachy and i can go there and still have a quiet wave to myself um, with my old man and it's the best feeling in the world so yeah, so I'll say my home beach, it's one foot, it's rubbish. And often, um, yeah, it, it makes you work for every little section you get out there because it gives you no power or anything. <laughs> and, and I feel like that's what's trained me up to be able to deal with any situation in the ocean. More of Sal in a moment. The last episode of the show featured Paralympian, adventurer and all-round hellman, Kurt Fernley. This is a man who just never, ever gives up. What's involved physically, mentally, and probably spiritually for you, I reckon, in a marathon distance event? Marathon, marathon. you you will hit a point that is a level of discomfort that is pretty, pretty challenging. You might hit that in the first couple of minutes of a marathon, if required. If you're trying to be the person that's the, the best in the world at that particular day, your competitor might just dictate to you that you need to hurt now. They might sprint off the start line. You could never be, you, you, you have to take each and every race and you think about the things that you can't control, but just be ready to adjust and adapt to everything else in the world. I would always treat a marathon as if whenever anything challenging would happen to a marathon, I will own it and I will be better at everyone in the world to it. Hmm. If there's cobblestones in a marathon, that will be where I'll attack. If there's a hill, I attack. If somebody I would never take fluid on a on a marathon because I would always if I saw somebody drink in a marathon, I would attack. You know, if there was any advantage that could be taken, I would take it. Well, um, I think that's taking it too far. I nah, think that's mate. just going beyond the edge a bit. <laughs> you didn't have to like me, mate. <laughs> no. No. True. That's Kurt Fernley on episode 88 of the show. Back to Sally. Coldest wave you've ever surfed? There's definitely, I, I would say, a few risks involved, things like frostbite and hypothermia. There has actually been um, a death in the area. Oh, definitely Nova Scotia. That was well, next level. Yes. That was so cold that when you walked out on the rocks, the puddles that are normally puddles between rocks, was like ice skating to get out oh. to the thing. And I thought, I don't know what I'm doing, 
but uh, I just yelled really loudly and like tried to. Oh. So how thick's a wetty? How thick's a wetty for that? Biggest brain freeze how in the universe. Oh. oh, right between the eyes, it feels like a ninja threw a little knife oh. in there and just. <laughs> It was a five mil wetsuit. Right. Uh, Water temp? Seven mil gloves. It was below zero outside and it was <sighs> snowing. It was cold. But I, I really respect the culture of um, that surf community that are there. Well, you've you got to love ch- it, don't you? You've got to oh. love it if you're surfing when it's like that. 100%. you got to get your wetty on in the shed because the ice, the um, sleet and the snow is too cold outside. And, uh, yeah, in itself, it's a challenge just to get out there. So I was I was in very, very mad respect of these guys that um, get out there, like, every day. I was like, wow. But it really opens up uncharted waters and very ungrounded waves, obviously. <laughs> so they're doing talk, their thing up there. Talk about uncrowded waves. What's the best surf trip you've been on? This is just, this is just genuinely just chatting about surfing for me now, which I absolutely oh, love to do. So yes. your, your best surf trip? Best surf trip. I think one that always stands out was going to Mexico and surfing at Selena Cruz with the king himself, with Kelly Slater. The king. Uh, and it was just, at one point, it was just myself and Kelly out there as a, well, we both rode, obviously, for the company Quicksilver at the time. I was with Roxy. And it was just that moment where you just go, oh, my gosh, I'm surfing with Ke-. Like, I just, that starstruck moment. There was not one other person in the lineup, and it was just <laughs> hundreds of meters of perfect peeling right. And me, I, I had to, you know, me after this conversation and everyone listening, that I had to contain the froth. So as I as I paddled out, I tried to be real cool, and I was like, only one one question every ten minutes. <laughs> one question <laughs> and and I remember him scraping the wax off my board we didn't have a wax comb at the time right. and it was real dirty and so he only had this razor blade and I was like how do you wax off with a razor blade and um and so Kelly was my ultimate caddy and he and he scraped my wax off my board and I was <laughs> talk, talk about Kelly who I have um, been trying to get on this show for two years and I've said to a few people the day I get him on will be the last episode I do um, you're in a, um, is talking about how stoked you are to surf with the king. We might talk about business with you in a moment, but you've been very, very successful and you've got mainstream sponsors with, um, I can see over your back shoulder, like Land Rover, Under Armour, Arm and Breeze, Boost, not necessarily surf sponsors. So you've obviously done something very successful in your business life. Is the right way to pronounce the watch, is it, is it Breitling? Yes. Right. So what, tell me, talk me through photo shoots. So you've uh, got some amazing photos with you, Steph and Kelly looking cool with your Breitling watches on. Take me behind the scenes. If you're telling me you're frothing to surf with Kelly, like, what's it like when you get together and you've got to get the photos done? Okay, so you can imagine me standing there in uh, the power couple there. So yes. Got what, have got, what have they got, 17, 18? I don't know, there's too many, but 18 world titles between them, 19, <laughs> yeah, something like yeah. that. And they do the introduction and they go, this is seven times old chance, Steph, and 11 times Kelly Slater, and this is Sal. Hey. <laughs> 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 okay. I'm just sitting on my own accord. Uh, don't have any cups hanging off my ears or anything. Just, just been doing it a long time. Love it. <laughs> and I stand there. Um, there's moments because it was a full Hollywood production. Yes. Uh, we, the first one was at Jeffrey's Bay. So they locked down the whole beach. 
And then the whole street had like those movie trailers and everything and wow. like copy vans and I was going, Whoa, this is a big deal. <laughs> and and I feel as I said, I've done um I've had that apprenticeship under surf friends and then it was just this subtle shift in the dynamic that led me towards obviously the opportunities and things I'd produced um led me into more non non endemic. So I'd kind of obviously um been to a lot of these shoots and kind of well versed and know how they work and everything but I'm just standing there and I got to spend the whole day obviously it takes all day to shoot when you guys see uh I don't know what a 30 second clip yeah. it's They're taken great. all day to, to get that, <laughs> right. that little blip of content it just zap and it's gone and so yeah so I got to um definitely chew the fat I had to only ask like a question every now and again. <laughs> I I did my research like you, like I researched um, for Slater because I know a lot more about Steph. We compete against each other, ever. right? But with with the Slater, I'm like, okay, I know he loves his golf, he loves his UFC, and then and I love talking about sport. So I just pull up this random moment about any sport or golf or kind of one round he had, and then he just sets him off, and I just listen, <laughs> and I'm like, and then what happened? And then what happened? <laughs> and uh, so I don't know. Everyone thinks like, oh, you know, it's it's big day, big working day. Oh, you must be beat. And I'm just like, my eyes are popping at the end of it, just going. I was just like the pickle or big penguin just there, just fanning out. Oh and, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the best seat in the house. <laughs> we'll put. Okay, you can deal with the penguin now. Who, um, as you'll hear, I've been trying to teach the surf sail, but uh, I'm a very limited surfer. So we're getting to the point where. Um, He's starting to ask me questions that I simply can't answer. So I said, listen, just ask Sal because um, you're getting past me now. So this yeah. is the big penguin and what he's got for you, Sal. Hi, Sally, big penguin here. I hope one day I'm as good a surfer as you. My dad teaches me how to surf. When I ask him how do you do airs, he says, I don't know, penguin. So what is the key to doing airs? Sal, we're down the beach. We just got back from Central America. We're blessed to be able to go places like that. And he's like, Dad, all right, now you got to show me how to do airs. I'm like, mate, I don't even know where to start. He's like, yeah, but how do you do them, Dad? And why don't you do them? And it's the first time you have to let your child down and actually say, you know what, I can't do them. And they look at you because you've been able to do everything in their life to that point. Um, so I can't do them. So I said, well, we'll ask Sal how you do airs. That's the way you answer how you say they built the wall to keep the rabbits out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> In China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, big family. That's the best question you could have asked. It like in the universe right now. I'm still. I'm probably eight or nine years deep on my quest for just aerial. Just. Oh, that's utopia. Just picking a manoeuvre that's come from you that you want to experience on your craft. Like, I want to fly. I want to fly off the wave and I want to land back on that wave. And I didn't realise at that time that it entailed this journey of just getting absolutely pounded and then you just get this breakthrough and then you get (laughs) beaten down again and then there's a little breakthrough and you see... The greats of the game, you see John John Florence, Felipe Toledo, they do it so effortlessly. It it looks like the first manoeuvre you learn, like on a surfboard, you, you learn how to, you know, rock and roll your rail. You do a cut back or you cut from the face back to the whitewater. And it's a big moment. They're doing like these full gymnastic, yeah. uh, explosive 
kind of full rotation airs and landing back on a, a moving surface. So you have to calibrate when you leave the wave, your brain is calibrating how fast that wave is going to move and anticipate how it's going to almost like when it a wave breaks, we call it a closeout or a ramp. And when it dumps, it dumps differently every single time. You can't even, you're never going to get the same ramp ever. So to answer Big Penguin's question, I am still on the journey and I still, it's the biggest thrill at the moment in my training. I have done about, oh gosh, what are we talking? Over thousands of attempts and the percentage of the ones you make, you just got to keep trying them. And, and I feel as though when you leave the wave, you start, when you're starting to learn a trick like this, you piece it together and you're thinking, okay, now I've got to twist my head. Now I've got to stomp the landing. Now I've got to keep turning. I've got to stay low over my knee and all these. And then all of a sudden, all the cues just like melt away. And you just, you've gone off this ramp and it's just the slow motion all the time in the world. And everything is just like, whoo, and you stick it and it feels like a golf swing. It feels like you just, hmm. and it's just the ball's just flown off the tee. I've got to get back to that. I'm still working on my golf game. But it's just flown off the tee, which I haven't experienced yet. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it doesn't become heavy anymore. And I feel sometimes when we're learning new things, and especially I can only attest to it on my craft, it feels like that impossible mission sometimes. We're talking eight years of getting up and going, yeah, today's the day. It's going to happen. But then even when you start sticking it, it's about how to continue to stick it and getting your percentage rate up. But back at the beginning, it feels absolutely impossible because um, I, I can just remember when I'm, I'm the big penguin now and I've gone, yeah, I've just watched all my clips of Sal or John John and I'm loading up and I'm going to do this big air and then you compress and then you twist and you do all the things that you see on the slow motion clip. Yeah. And nothing happens. The board just goes straight. It doesn't go out of the air. Nothing happens <laughs> at all. <laughs> for, for years, like a whole year, nothing happens. And, and so you can't even take that to an event and you can't practice it in your heat. you got to have things ready to stick. And uh, so that's what we're doing when people say, what do you do like in training and stuff? That's how long it takes to, to, to do these tricks. I'll let him know that he's got a bit of work to do. Hey, oh. I've taken up enough of your time. i only got a couple more questions for you. This this will be um, just talking to you and listening to your passion. Um, it's made me want to go surfing, so I hope that's what it does to everyone that's listening, <laughs> yes. even though it's sour-westerly and, and pretty average down in Barwon Heads where I live Same today here. and it's starting to get cold. Um, this will be the easiest and the hardest question I ask you. What does surfing mean to you, Sal? Oh, that's the best question. It just feels though it's the thread in my life that's going to carry me from day dot right to the end. So it's just the tool. I feel that it's just carrying with it all my life's lessons. Like it's the ultimate challenge, but it's the ultimate calm. It's just like the yin and yang to my life and when you had all those sports on the table there's a reason why it just was like the magnetic pull for me I was just supposed to be in it and and I think as well when you see my nature 
and I've got the calculation and you like things to have a process and make sense. I feel as though it was there to be my teacher because it's all the things that test my personality and my nature and way of learning, like the pickle and it's frustrating when things, you can't tick it off a list or it's not fixed or you can't grab it. It's like the snitch in Harry Potter. You just can't get the snitch. <laughs> you can't get it. That just showed a little bit about my nerdy side. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I just, I feel as though surfing, it's, it was just there to be pretty much like your best friend for life. And for me, it is. It's, it's my best friend. That's a brilliant answer. Um, I've just got one more now that's popped into my head. Before I ask you the final question, um, that's a that's a fantastic answer. That it's your best friend. Have you pictured yourself? Well, you probably have now. Have you pictured yourself, even though it's delayed, in your green and gold uniform, walking in the opening ceremony at the what will now be the twenty twenty one Olympics to represent Australia in surfing? I have. I have, Howie. I I don't know. I think I've pictured it though. Since before it even existed, <laughs> for me to be going as a surfer. Because like, as in, you know, I was saying, like, as a six, seven-year-old running around draw, I was in the green and gold. And I would, I'd have, like, the old-school zinc, too, on some of my sessions, just <laughs> and just, like, warrior stripes. And the, the last 100 metres would always be they're just, like, coming down the home stretch. And, <laughs> and it didn't, have, like, maybe I was running, but it was just the analogy that I was going. So how can you be doing something before it even exists? Like when I was on my boogie board, I couldn't possibly imagine be going to an Olympic Games, walking into the opening ceremony as a surfer with only three other people that can go for surfing from Australia. <laughs> I was just like, the whole thing just every day, I just go, I just put my hands in the air and I was like, well, I'm just supposed to experience it. I can't, I didn't, I didn't pick it. I can't craft it. I can't Play-Doh it. I'm just, I'm just here to experience it all. And, and so I feel as though that I've experienced the raw and I've imagined it, but I've reserved this little space to be like, whatever it is and whatever I experience is what it's supposed to be. Wow. Um, before you answer the final question, seeing your tight with the king, next time you see him, can you just ask him <laughs> If he will come on the show, I've, I've Trevor Hendy put me on to him. We've come this close a couple of times, and you know what it always comes down to? Good in a couple of days, and then you just get a message, which I'm pumped about to get a message. Let's be honest, from the king that says, "Sorry, gone surfing," and it's like, okay. <laughs> so next time you're at one of your fancy shoots and you're looking for a conversation starter, can you pump up the show and tell him, mate, you should go on it? A hundred percent, Howie. I am vouching for the amount that you have been there for me in <laughs> in my life. I was like, I've got your back. And Good. I feel like Trev, I was going to say, Trev should have been the ultimate toe-in. Yep. He's his sensei. Well, so exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll put in the good word and I have no doubt the king is coming on this show. Bang. Um, you know we normally finish this by talking about um, – and I always say, and it becomes a bit glib, but I, I truly mean it that we are, um, it fills me with joy to know a lot of kids listen to the show with their parents. Um, and sometimes you meet their parents in the airport and they come up and say, oh, you know, I don't mean to bother you. And when they talk about the podcast and what it might have inspired their kids to do, I'm like, I, I want to then talk to them. I, I sit them down at the Qantas Club and chat and chat and what did they get out of it? I absolutely love it. 
Um, for someone that's experienced the twin emotions of sport, the highs and the lows, which you have, and you've been really honest with me in this chat about, for the kids that are listening, Sal, that want to succeed somewhere in life, what can the little boogie boarder from the South Coast tell them? I think that, oh, what, what could I say is the biggest, well, as a parent, because I'm not a parent, but I try and I still feel like I can see both sides. Now that I am the 30-year-old, I could be a parent, all those things, and I am the eternal Grom, but I've been the Grom, all those things. And I'd say to encourage play. Encourage play and, like, um, you know, the big penguin asked, how do I do airs? Just keep trying them. Like, absolutely, that's the only way to learn it. You can't, there's no trick shot. Um, you don't grab the cup in any sport or any sense or any job and say, I, I just say hero the simplicity of what it is like of just their imagination and play and let it come out of them like they'll show you if you give something time and space a little water a little food it'll grow into something (laughs) and if if you as a parent are your best selves around them like my parents have always tried to be and create that environment um I just think that they'll turn out to be just absolutely themselves and that authenticity and trust in wherever it leads if they come home with that permission slip to um to china and ask for a check i don't know it might lead somewhere it might not but there's no knowing before you go in you can't you can't not go over the ledge on the big 10 footer um (laughs) and know if it's going to work out or not none of us do so um i'd say that we're all in it together and um, I, I definitely would just promote that. The beach and the ocean, like I was saying, it, to be your best friend, it is just a lifelong partner um, for anyone out there. And, and it just, it's there for you. And I don't know, I'd, I'd just say if I had young kids, I would, I would definitely just have them interacting with something that is for free it's the best daycare you could possibly find (laughs) um but it's an absolute wonder and joy and has fed every bit of my imagination it still does so yeah they're probably my only tidbits that i can think of out of everything that's come from my journey through sport and craft and life so far so play and have fun i was tremendously looking forward to chatting with you and then when you explained to me that you'd listened to the show pretty consistently and you were um, looking forward to it. And then I started to get a bit nervous about how this was going to go. And I was thinking, geez, she's listening to all those apps. I hope I don't let her down. How have we gone, do you think? From my perspective, it's been outstanding. I asked you some reasonably difficult questions. You answered them with style and grace and humour. Um, I really enjoyed it. How's it been from your end? Oh, my gosh, my cheeks kind of hurt. Have you noticed, like, I haven't – I've given you, like, a Colgate ad the whole time on Zoom. And I would say I would assimilate it to the very first – to the win at Bells, this is the ah. same feeling. The same. There was a few podcasts that came close to doing, but no, there was just like something happened, and this is meant to be. And and to close with this clanger. All right, all right. So yep. I was in the gym. Yep. Guess what? So Healy was eighty-seven, right? Fernley's at eighty-eight. Yes. And I know there's probably a queue of people that are going to be 89, but yes. we're talking to you. It hasn't dropped yet. No. 89. My number, my jersey number is 89, Howie. Right. This is getting next level. Like, so I've got to cut the rest out. Oh, you, I don't know. I'm just going to leave it dangling, hanging out there that 
I just lost it when I was at training. And and I was just there under the bench press and I was like, episode 87? That means... Oh, my gosh, I'm number 89, so I don't right. know. Okay, then. The I'm going to say Ian Smith, cricketer, Ishigua, commentator, Martin Brundle, commentator, Dan <laughs> Ricardo, Formula One driver. I'm putting him on the back burner and or, you will be 89. Or, or you can just, like, skip it and come back, you know, like the lifts in a lot of different Asian oh, countries. There's no 13. There's no 13. Just 89 for a second and then come and back Everyone and will say, it. why have you gone straight to episode 90? I say, well, there's a special 89 dropping. <laughs> so you're a star. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. May all your surfing and life dreams come true. Um, we will be cheering you on from Barwon Heads. Me, uh, my beautiful wife and the two kids, we love everything you're about. Thanks for having a chat with me. Oh, thanks, Howie. And I throw the challenge back to Pickle and Big Penguin that we're going to go shredding and they're going to show me their big drops and their big airs. They'll love it. it. Cheers, Sal. Cheers, Howie. Episode 89 for number 89. Some things are just meant to be. Thanks to Sal for putting a massive, massive positive vibe into my day when we recorded it. I hope she did the same for you. And if she did, please let her know on social media. As she would say, she will froth. She will froth about that. She will be stoked. What a wonderful, driven athlete. Old mate Das puts the show together. He is thankfully off the hot dogs that he was eating when we recorded Kurt Fernley, although I saw him last night when we were recording Danny Ricardo and he was on the G&Ts, but he's working hard as production ramps up. He's killing it, the kid. But mainly to you fine folk, thanks for listening. I hope you're all as pumped as I am about Danny Ricardo in the next episode. Until then, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.